Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. We are recording. I'm excited. Man, the guest that you are about to hear is not an easy person to get on a podcast because he is busy. He is growing things and we we have sort of tried to line up schedules and it's finally happened. So I am really excited to connect with him. I, you know, I wrote this down in my earlier notes. It's kind of like trying to catch a shooting star, honestly. And, um, and this guest actually needs no introduction, but I, I would say he actually deserves one. Uh, he is a marketing and sales leader and also a thought leader, which is a, a great combination as we talk about evangelism. He has led teams that are marketers, teams of sales, even dev teams across his gigantic career over the decades. We won't say how many decades, uh, but he's also an innovator, right? One of the things that I really like about him is that he's open-minded to both new approaches and new tech. And so that's why I'm talking to him today. So many more things I can say about him. He is the chief growth officer at Refine Labs. Cassidy Shield, welcome to the show, sir. Casey, thanks for having me. And um, I think uh, I've done all those things because I'm old. Um, that's what <laughs> happens when you've been around a long time. They uh, You get to try a variety of different things out. And um, yeah, I've been wanting to get on this show for a while. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's because I'm busy or if it's just um, unorganized, but I appreciate your patience and looking forward to it. Yeah, it's probably all my fault, honestly, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but hey, we're, we're here. And so what I want to do is, I can't wait to learn from you. I've got my blank um, paper over here. I'm ready to just, you know, absorb all this knowledge. But first I have to pass you something. It's heavy, but I know you work out. So here it comes. Okay. Grab for me Thor's hammer. Go ahead. Grab that. Yep. Okay. You got it. I got got it. it. I got it. Great. Take Thor's hammer and smash some kind of marketing myth bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. All right. The one we're going to smash today is Legion is not marketing. What? Legion is not marketing. I literally just heard a marketing meeting and they were talking about Legion. And this, so this was wrong. This is wrong. Um, and let me be very specific. I, you know, when I think of Legion, I think when we, a lot of us think of Legion, um, it ties back to the, the goal of the marketer is just to collect leads and hand those leads over to the sales team and let the sales team deal with those leads. And usually the way that they go about doing that is they gate a bunch of content, they gate their eBooks, they gate their product demos, they write big, big long research reports that don't contain anything. Yeah. Um, they spend money to, to do this. And the reason I say that is because when we look at hundreds of different companies and the performance of lead gen campaigns, the one thing I've seen universally consistent is they don't perform when it comes to generating revenue for a company. Really? And so, and I'd add on top of that is like, it's not fun work as marketers. Marketers want to be creative. They want to be innovative. They want to drive right. demand. They want to, they want to do things that are legendary in lead gen is not legendary. Lead gen is not legendary. Oof. But it, it's interesting because I think a lot of us, hang our hat on that or, or the idea of at least if we can generate leads, we can say that we're helping with revenue. So there was a point in time when um, 
this was a valid strategy. So you think about like 15, 20 years ago, um, when we as buyers, uh, it was harder to access information. It was harder to learn about companies or learn about products. And you're kind of beholden to a company to um, educate you. And that's kind of where this stemmed from. It was hard for salespeople to get contact information to figure out who they should talk to. And so, you know, this, this process kind of was born out of that. Like, let's right. create some valuable content. And I would maintain, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the content was valuable, whereas today it's not so valuable. Let's gate it. Let's collect a lead. Let's hand it to the salesperson because there's no alternative for that salesperson to get that contact information. And then the sales team can go do whatever they do. So marketing is kind of serving the sales organization. You think about it today, and I run marketing and I've run sales, like the sales team that I run, like we don't need leads from marketing. We don't need contact information from marketing. I can go into any database, whether it's Zoom Info or Rocket Reach or Cognizant, and I can buy contact information for 20 cents a contact. Um, and when I, when you think about that, um, I think this is a massive opportunity for marketers. It, it's kind of unshackled them from the need to provide contact information to a sales organization. They don't need to do that anymore. Wow. So instead of creating, um, mediocre content to collect a lead, which I would define as contact information here, yeah. go off and do something great with your content strategy. Start a podcast. Yeah. Start a community. Uh, start a newsletter. Um, this is going to force you to build content that's valuable and good for your community or your organization or your audience. But that's what you should be doing as a marketer. You shouldn't be building stale eBooks or running a week webinars that you're trying to like bait and switch somebody into attending so you can get their contact information. So you still seem to call it. That's not marketing. It is it like our sites were t are too low. We we just want to kind of like create this tactical, you know, humdrum content that doesn't really matter. And you're you're saying, no, go swing for the fence. Yeah. Swing for the fence. I mean, if your sales team needs to figure out who to talk to, they can go do that on their own now. Um, what you think about what a company really wants to do is they want to, they want to drive real demand that turns into revenue. And to do that, they want to, build awareness of who they are so people know and trust them. Um, that's kind of the name of the game today. Awareness, trust, authenticity. These are all things that marketing focuses on. They want to create educational content. They want to, they want to be kind of part of like the conversation. Yeah. But they want to do that in a way that people will raise their hand to come talk to you. And this is like the fundamental difference between where I think we need to be and where we are, where we are today is I'm going to get Casey to give me his contact information. So my sales team can badger him or I'll throw it into a nurture and send you 15 emails until you, until I beat you down versus um, just being there for you and supporting you and educating you to the point where you realize, okay, I'm ready to buy and I'll raise my hand and say, Hey, listen, let's have a demo or let me talk to your sales team or let me try your product. Um, those are the, that's the demand that converts the pipeline and revenue consists consistently. And so the game, I think for the marketing team is to, that's what they should be focused on. Not just leads at all costs. What, how, how do you make that shift? Um, is it, a, I mean, you snap your fingers and aren't people still expect it? Isn't sort of the, the hierarchy, all the structures still, 
expecting you to deliver leads? Yeah. So, um, Sales this is not a right, yeah. This is you. not a this is not a change that you can make by just doing it without buy-in from your executive leadership, your sales team, etc. Okay. The first step um, is one is probably the toughest step for a marketing leader to do, and that is you have to be brutally honest that the way we're doing things today do not work. And so, you know, obviously, if you're coming into a new organization. This is uh, easier to do than if you've been a part of the problem for the last three or four <laughs> yeah. years in a company, right? It's so true. But nobody wants to change unless they're forced to change. And the way you force somebody to change is by taking a harsh look at the reality. And, you know, we do this with our, our customers. Um, we help others do it who aren't our customers through our community. Yeah. And that is how do you just analyze the data in a way to be brutally honest with your leadership about what's working and what's not. And, you know, when you go talk to the sales leader, they know it's not working because what happens, the sales team never follows up on the marketer's leads because they know those leads aren't going to convert to revenue. Mm. And so we have this kind of, you know, you know, what kind of symptom of this is this marketing and sales conflict where sales is like the marketing leads aren't any good. And the marketing team is like the sales team doesn't follow up on my leads. We see this all the time in practice, um, regardless of what you hear on LinkedIn. Um, and the reality is like sales teams go where they can optimize their ability to make money. And if you're handing them leads that they know over time, do not convert, they're not going to spend any time on those leads. And that's what's happening. Now they, they auto optimize really. They auto optimize. That's what you would do if you're incented to maximize your, uh, you know, your ability to hit your quota. Yeah. Okay. So with that being said, then you know, the, the old school triggers, the old school methods, things like webinars. Are webinars dead? It depends how you, yeah, I, I, here's what I think is dead. I'll see, uh, I'm going to, I got a specific case in mind. I'll see a company who I know, and I know the leadership of that company. I'll see a post on LinkedIn saying- What's the company name rhyme with? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. I will see a, a a post on LinkedIn and saying, "Hey, we have this webinar in like uh, a month. Come sign up for a thirty-minute webinar in a month where we talk to Joe Smith from X, Y, and Z company about something." And I'm looking, I'm like, "What? Like, it's like you make me run a webinar once a month or once a quarter, and you're you're doing what we're doing here on Zoom." but you're doing it because you want to attract people there. So you can get their email addresses and you can give them the sales team and have the sales team badger the people. And the first time you do this, you might get people joining the call, but as soon as um, joining the webinar, but as soon as that salesperson starts badgering them, guess what they don't do on the next webinar? They don't show up. Yeah. And so when you think about it, what, you, what we would recommend, I'm sure you'd recommend the same thing. Take a step back and think about the webinar as like, it's a live event. It's for your community. It's for somebody to learn and educate themselves. And so, you know, have that once a month or have that once a week and invite somebody on and do what we're doing here in a live setting so mm -hmm. people can learn, but don't expect anything in return. Yeah. Take the content, repurpose it, use it on different platforms because we'll talk here for an hour. It'll be immensely valuable. And I'm sure we'll use this in a variety of different ways between the two of us to yeah. 
to get this message out to the audience. And it's no different from what a company should do and how they th- how they reinvent kind of the idea of a webinar. And don't call it a webinar either. That, that word's like old. Yeah, it, you're right. And it, it kind of feels like that. I mean, I'm, I'm totally still in this murky part, even myself, the idea of it's fun to present. But I, I remember even with some of the last companies I've worked at and whatnot, sometimes the people that attend are not necessarily your buyer, right? They're your groupies or they're people that like seeing this or have the time to watch this. And I've, I've talked to some folks who say that they get more conversions from the people who don't attend, you know, they get the recording afterward. And it's like, why are we playing a game, you know, for this live event that could have been recorded and why not just serve it up now? Like why wait the 30 days is that, that exactly. came to mind when you were mentioning, yeah. like you kind of brought it up, like, Oh, cool. This thing happens 30 days from now. Okay. Why, why, why not right now? And then also what's the value of it being live? If, if you're just serving up stuff that anyone could have, you know, had recorded. Yeah. I think um, if you're talking only one way in a live event or a webinar, then I absolutely agree with you. The way we happen to use this, and we just got back into it uh, this week with our CEO, he holds a li- uh, he's going to be holding a live weekly event. We did this for two years and he's back at it. And it's, it's the two-way conversation. It's like, we're not trying to sell anybody. We want to have a conversation and dialogue with our community. He present a topic and we want questions back. And we use this as kind of market and customer insight. By the questions that come at us and the things that people ask and where they're, um, what they want to know or what they don't understand, it helps us understand what the market needs right now. So we use the live setting not to drive sales. We use the live setting to get insight from the market. And then to your point, a lot of the people who are on these calls aren't going to be ideal customers, yeah. but they are, I but they are the followers. And so what they do is they take this message and they propagate it out to their network as well. And then we take this content, we put it on a podcast, we put it on LinkedIn, we put it on TikTok. And, um, you know, we've multi-purposed one asset into a variety of different uh, types of content across multiple distribution mechanisms. And so uh, we get a lot out of this, uh, both in terms of insight and learning and also the content we can repurpose and distribute. Yeah, it's pretty simple, but that's the... that's the, that's the play. And nowhere in that were you talking about the transactional nature of how this has been in the past, the Legion sma- myth that you're smashing the, I give you this, you give me that you're, you're just, it's just give, 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 right. Join this weekly event. And it's not the beginning of a lead funnel that you're going to, we're going to get harassed. Maybe it is, but you're not going to get harassed by someone. I mean, how, how do you play that? Yeah, we, we we would never do that to our community because as soon as we do that, guess what happens? They're not going to show up. Not going to show up. And so um, we were very explicit about this. Um, this is about um, educating and getting kind of our point of view out in the world and helping marketers uh, yeah. do better um, on their own. Yeah. And then we know at some point there's going to be a few, a very small subset of those who want our help and they'll come ask for it when they're ready. But by and large, most people will take um, kind of our insight and they'll go do it themselves. And we're perfectly happy with that. That's Yeah. 
And then at some point they realize, wow, this is a lot of work. They realize it's a lot of work or they'll come back and be like, I was able to get uh, from point A to point B, but I need help getting to point C. Yeah. Which makes Um, them actually a better customer and a better client at that point too, because they've put some irons in that five. They've got started at least. Exactly. And so one of the things that um, I've been thinking about, and maybe we can riff on this is um, that I would maintain Yes, there's a, a, a content, an old school content strategy that's kind of predicated on like this need to drive lead and contact information to give to sales. Yes. Maybe another way to look at it is like, this is just your content strategy, um, which isn't that effective anymore when it comes to truly building a point of view, trust and education for you know your community. Mm-hmm. So you, it's really going to be hard, I think, for a marketing team to say, listen, I'm going to do gated content strategy over here, and then I'm going to build a modern content engine over here on at the same time that's community-based, podcast-based, thought leadership-based. Like, I would, I would maintain it's going to be very difficult to do these two things. You need to decide. Do you want to build a a content strategy and engine for kind of the modern way buyers buy, or are you going to main keep doing it the way we used to buy 10 or 15 years ago? It's extremely difficult to do both. Yeah. And I would maintain the old way. You don't even need to do it anymore because like I said, the sales team has this handled, push it back on them. Buy them a zoom info subscription and tell them to go get the contact information that way. Perfect. So I mean, guess this ties into if marketing is busy creating these amazing things that will create the demand and truly educate. What do you then direct your sales side to do? Go, just go get those. Le- like you're, you're, you're still dialing for dollars on the sales side or has that changed any? Yeah. So um, marketing does the demand game correctly. Demand creation game correctly. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see leads coming in that have high intent. Yeah. Not as many. But the ones that do come in will convert at a higher rate right. to pipeline and close one revenue. And so obviously you need to optimize, let's call that the inbound flow. You need to optimize your sales team, a subset of your sales team to be able to handle this journey. The journey where it's like, Casty's ready to buy. I want a demo. I want mm. all my questions answered. I want to talk to a customer. I want to get pricing. I want to do all these things. Like that, what the sales team is supposed to be doing. Right. Optimize that flow. And you're going to see that flow be very efficient over time once you get good at it. Um, in an ideal world, that flow can represent almost all the demand you need to drive revenue. But we know in reality, um, that's not going to be the case early on. Right. And so what you need to do is you need to have what we call different pipeline sources or different revenue programs to fill the gap. And so the sales team needs to go outbound or partners or expansion opportunities within your existing account. And so forth. And so, yeah, the sales team still going to build um, an outbound strategy. And what we've found in the data we've looked at is um, these two things can actually go hand in hand, right? So if you're building um, awareness and loyalty and you're educating the buyer yeah, and some of them are raising their hand to come inbound, um, guess whose job also gets easier? The sales team going outbound. Yeah. Because they've actually heard of you in your company. 
And so if you get the sales team going outbound and they're doing it in a, um, in an efficient kind of high-end way, you know, I've, we've all seen bad outbound, but we've also all seen good outbound. And we know that if somebody's coming outbound to us and we've heard of the company and we admire the company, we're more yeah. likely to talk to them than if we've never heard of the company or the salesperson. So, true. so these two things play off each other. You do this really well in terms of your content strategy and building community and loyalty and thought leadership. You're going to get more people saying, I'm ready to buy. And you can get more people, you can get better conversion for your sales team who's going outbound to the same audience. It makes sense. Um, coming up with a pipeline strategy, and I'm not independent of marketing, but not so locked into the old school method of, you know, only the leads and then processing through and beating those to death, even because they're low quality and they're everyone's playing the same silly game and you're just playing along. Uh, it was funny though. You mentioned there's bad outbound, all the LinkedIn email I get comes to mind. You mentioned good outbound. Have you seen, have you done good outbound? What, what does that look like to you? Um, yeah, I haven't seen much by the way. Uh, my <laughs> right? sales team and I talk about like what it should look like. Um, what I think is important, um, on good outbound, and I'm not an expert, but one is obviously research. I don't want to feel like this is a spammed automated email, even though we all know we use sequences and we use tools, but there's needs sure. to be some level of personalization in research. Right. I think I, I need to know who you are. So it's very difficult. Like if, uh, if an AE from Gong reaches out to me, I'm going to give them more benefit of doubt than some company I've never heard of. Yeah. In fact, if I've never heard of your company, I, I personally will never respond. Yeah. I know others may, may, but like obviously being having an affinity towards that brand and some awareness and knowledge is critical. Yeah. And especially if you've heard Udi on a podcast, exactly like this one or, yeah, you know, and, and you know, the guy, he's cool. He's a magician. And, and you, then of course you're like, okay, I'll, I'll give your guy a shot or your gal. I'll, yeah. I'll listen for like a second. Yeah. Let's be We We all bought uh drift because of Dave Gerhardt. Yeah, not because exactly, it was a good right? product. <laughs> and exactly. Dave Gerhardt leaves and what happened to drift. <laughs> we're all we're all here going like, wait, where, where's Dave and where's the party? <laughs> exactly. Um, I think the third thing on outbound is um I think the this is really hard for salespeople. I, I don't think the first message should be about a transaction. It could just be um, hey Casey, so and so thinking of you, you might like this. Done. Like not, do you want to book a meeting? Are you interested? Let's set some time up. Now that's really hard to do in practice. We all yeah. are guilty of saying, we think we wrote a clever outbound sequence, but we all want to put our link at the end and say, let's book a meeting. But um, if you try to take the spirit of what we're doing here in terms of building relationships and community, could we do that on an outbound channel as well? Yeah. Because you do get to go directly to the specific individual. You don't have to guess and hope somebody listens to the podcast or reads your blog or yeah. follows you on LinkedIn. You can literally go right to the source. Um, so my point here is I think there's a lot of room for innovation on the outbound channel in the future. Uh, I haven't necessarily seen it, um, but I bet we see more of this in the coming years, I hope, at least. I do too, because it sounds 
better to your earliest, one of your earliest points. It sounds way more fun to execute this on the marketing side, this on the sales side. None of us are in a factory or in a, you know, a, a, a sawdust mill trying to convert leads. You know, this sounds fun. Uh, you know, so, so building on that, almost bubbling up to the, the highest level, you're, you're chief growth officer. You're responsible for your company growing. It's 2023. We hit a new year. Does your planning, does that look a little different too? Because you're not planning for the old marketing and for the old sales. Talk to me through how you look at planning for a new year, knowing that you're doing it in a different way. Yeah, it's, um, we built a process for this. Uh, we call it, you know, revenue R&D. I won't get into that, but like, I'll just kind of give you the basic principle. And that is we look at revenue programs and we try to move them through a development process in a consistent way. And we want to measure them consistently as well. So we understand what's working and what's not. And the goal for all of us as marketers is to get uh, some set, some subset of programs to a place where they can we can forecast revenue growth. And so what that means for us then is we have a few programs like LinkedIn and podcasts and live events working for us as a company. And so we know like going into 2023, we can forecast what we should, you know, what we what we can expect those programs to deliver in terms of pipeline and revenue. Yeah. Then we have to look at, like anybody else, and say, how do we close the gap if there is a gap between uh, our aspiration and our plan? And that's where we do like everybody else does. Like, what new programs do we want to spin up and start as experiments? And this is probably the key that we, we've all missed as marketing leaders, is we get very excited about a new program and we expect it to drive forecastable revenue right from the start. And we know that's not what's going to happen. That you need to start as an experiment and you have to have interim milestones of, am I getting positive signals from this experiment? Am I starting to see pipeline and revenue? Is it repeatable? Can I scale it and operationalize it? And for any revenue program, this can take three, six, nine months. Um, and in some cases, it won't work and you need to kill it. And so we're in the same boat as everybody else. We have things that we can depend on and we have things that are new that we want to try. And we have a, uh, a disciplined structure and process to measure and determine if those things are going to work or not. If they don't work, then we're going to try something else. I like the the analogy of the R&D and, and I see the early programs are these experiments and you don't know and you don't even necessarily have a flow of, of of revenue from them at the start and so even the idea of looking for positive and negative signal that makes a lot of sense to me at some point though you're able to measure them do you lose the ability to measure when you leave the old school method it's almost like it seems so much easier if you're just cranking through a funnel but now we've got something different how do you measure in, in, in when or when it gets ideal how do you know it's working so uh, simply, we see people coming in, raising their hand to talk to us. Okay. This is the constraint. Like we would think of it, it's almost like a, an interesting analogy is kind of like, think about a, the B2C world, like an e-commerce world. Mm -hmm. You're driving people to the shopping cart and then you want to make sure they convert through the shopping cart. We're thinking of the website and the B2B world the same. We want people to come to the, you know, 
consume and be aware of us out on other channels uh, where consumers in B2B hang out. Yeah. And then we want to come to our website, educate themselves, and then click a button to say, I'm ready to talk to you. And everything kind of comes through that, that, okay. that point. And then obviously when they come in, the natural question is, well, how do you know what program drove them there? And what we do is we ask them. And so we put on the form, how did you hear about us? And we let them fill it in. And then we put that in the CRM and we do some manipulation of the data behind the scenes to categorize that. And then, you know, we also do kind of like platform-based uh, attribution as well. So we can kind of mm. look at what captured demand. But what we're really looking for when we ask somebody, like we ask Casey, how did you hear about us? We're looking for what created the demand in your mind. Yeah. It's like, hey, I, I heard this podcast and I want to talk to you. I saw this post on LinkedIn and I reached out. I joined your live event or I heard about you from Joe and Joe said I should go contact you. So, yeah, you know, did you go to Google and you type in Refine Labs and you come to our website and the attribution model says Google search? Sure. That's good to know that when you heard this, you went to Google. But yeah. what triggered you? Google didn't trigger you. Something else triggered you. And we want to make sure we capture that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like it. And it sounds like it's not, I mean, what, there's kind of a thing you would tech where we're like, Ooh, we don't even need to ask that anymore. Cause people always get it wrong. We're going to just do it all programmatically with, with our links and with tracking and everything. But that seems to further confuse us. Are you, are you asking in a dropdown or, or just almost like an open text box? Like what started this whole search for you? Yeah, it's a great question. We we advise uh, to use open text, and then Makes on sense. the back end, you can like, you know, do some string analysis and categorize these things. And sure. the reason that's important is I think we'll see people write. I mean, obviously, sometimes you get garbage, and that just goes with the territory. Sometimes you get it was podcast episode two thirty four. Or I've listened to 25 episodes or, you know, my friend at this company who I've known since my childhood told me and I trust him. And I think people write this all out. <laughs> it's crazy. <Wow. laughs> and you're like, that's yeah, money that's right there. That's just that's gold. That's, that's money. Digital gold. See, I would imagine it's not even a text box. It's, you know, speaking HTML. I'm almost putting a paragraph box in there. Like, hey, tell me anything you want to tell me about how you... It, what do you ask on there? Is it how you found us or is it more of that sort of how, what started? This? We say, um, yeah, how did you hear about us? Just That's how it. did you hear about us? Yeah. Very cool. It's funny. I also have this, uh, my last company, we didn't, we did this in the sales process. We'd, have, we'd make sure the sales team asked. Okay. And we were running, we we're ramping up a program and we're running, um, you know, paid media on LinkedIn and on Facebook and Instagram. And it's like new for the company. And like, we actually get, we would get the question. Of course you would get the question. I would have the questions as CMO and CEO would have the question, like, is it working or not? And we'd see, a, we'd see more inbound demand coming in and we're like, wow, where's this demand coming from? And we, we look into our, you know, our systems and we see, oh, Google search or something like that, yeah. which we know we're running nothing. We're doing nothing on Google search. And then we get on the call and what, what we and this is an analytics product, and we heard over and over, Instagram, 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 
So think about there is never a hypothesis in any of our minds that Instagram would be the dominant platform over LinkedIn, over the podcast, over Facebook, um, you know, the the three or four other programs we're running. Wow. And it was um it was it was comical. We would just laugh because it was like the sales team would be like, yep, yeah, never went on Instagram. Really? Yeah, but there was no, there was nothing in the data at a system level on the capture demand side that said Instagram because they saw it and they saw it over and over. And then they went to Google and they Googled the company. Uh, right. They didn't, like nobody's clicking the ad in Instagram because you're not there to click ads, but right. you saw it and you're going to go, you're going to file it away. And yeah. then later when you're back in the office, you can go type it into Google and yeah. Google gets all the credit. Google gets all the and credit. Yeah, you got to wonder, and, and if you, I can even imagine, especially in the old old days, or a lot of people now, if you had that as a drop down, you don't even know. You're not even doing anything on Instagram. You wouldn't know to make that a drop down. No. Yeah. You know how the drop downs work too. Like, you know, if you, there people are just going to pick the first. <laughs> like people aren't going to ask. They just want to get through the form. And yeah. so here we make it mandatory. So you have to get. You have to put something in to get through the form we're not giving you a path of least resistance of selecting the first thing. It's like, no, yeah. you got to type something in. And by the way, is it per, it's not perfect. We'll get no, garbage. Um, but we often get uh, more truth than not truth. And yes. really what you're looking for is not an absolute number, but you're looking for trends. You're looking for positive signals. You're looking for something that seems repeatable and consistent. So do we get a hundred percent perfect data? No but 75, 80% good data uh, tells you something you didn't know before. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to decipher. Yeah. To your point, maybe you have to do some formula wizardry to figure out how to normalize a couple of, but I'll, I'll take that over completely obfuscated cloudy yeah. things saying Google search and it's nothing to do with Google whatsoever. Exactly. You know? Yeah, at least you can get the answer as opposed to get, you'll you not even know and you have to guess on it. That's amazing. Yeah, and in that world I'm talking about, like we spent, we didn't spend any dollars on Google. We didn't have an SEO strategy. We didn't have a paid <laughs> Google search strategy. And then you see Google and you're like, okay, well, we know it's not because of anything we did. Right. In that platform, but it was certainly caused by something else that we did outside of Google. And it's natural. Like nobody remembers to type in the company URL. Right go to Google and they type in the company and then Google gets the credit. Yeah. Surf by browser. Um, great reminder that anything could be that in your case, it was Instagram for everyone else listening. Could anything. It could be that thing. And people are just clicking through to it yeah. or not clicking through They're They're not clicking through and they're, they're searching later. So what a great reminder that that is a thing. So our company today, not surprising. If you know who we are, it's podcast, podcast, LinkedIn, I know Sydney Waterfall. I know this person. <laughs> like, I, like we get people called out. I follow Evan Hughes on LinkedIn. I follow Megan Bowen. Like, um, I heard Sydney on a podcast. Like, we get this type of descriptive feedback in here, and it's not just uh, you know the CEO now. It's everybody. A lot of people in the company. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really cool, man. Uh, well, my next question really is like. Cassie, who are you? How, how do you know all these things? Can you take me back in time to like little you, right? Um, 
did little Cassidy know he was going to be an absolute beast in the sales and marketing and growth world? Like take me back in time. Now, little Cassidy uh, certainly didn't grow up thinking I would be a <laughs> marketer or seller in B2B uh, in the B2B market. Um, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, um, 7,000 people. Um, you know, like any kid growing up, I played sports and wanted to do that professionally, even though I wasn't, uh, I'm athletically challenged. Um, <laughs> so that wasn't going to happen. Um, my, you know, went to college for engineering. Uh, my first job though, out of school, I was a consultant way back when putting in big IT systems into large fortune 500 companies. And so, um, you know, I kind of think about my career in, in, in three ways, like that early part of the career, I thought I was going to be the, a plant manager. Mm. I was a supply chain manufacturing guy. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to be the CEO of a manufacturing plant and then maybe a divisional leader. And I, I was super passionate about supply chain and manufacturing. I uh, went back and got my MBA and I thought I'm going to keep doing that. And then I wandered into a telecommunications company and I found my way into an organization building software. And the next thing I know is like, I'm going to be a, a CPO. That's the second part of my career. I'm going to run product at a, you know, a company. I'm going to be a GM of a software product business. And I was on that journey. And then uh, along the way, a mentor of mine convinced me uh, I should try marketing. We need somebody in marketing. And so my first marketing job, uh, begrudgingly, I did not want to do this. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming was running marketing for a, a $500 million uh, software division in a big company. And so I knew really nothing outside of product marketing. And, um, you know, fortunately, I had a lot of great people around me and kind of studied my ass off and kind of figured it out. And um, for better or worse, I've kind of gone down the commercial route, marketer, sales, growth officer, CRO. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I like the what gets me excited is like um, driving change, fixing things. I'm not a great person to manage the status quo. Like you can find better people to do that. But if uh, a situation's kind of chaotic and unclear, um, those are the environments I like to come into. And maybe that harkens back to my consulting days or whatever. I don't know what comes oh, totally. from the break fix, right? Like, background. Let's break yeah. it. Yeah. Let's break it so I can fix it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I've done a lot of things because I've been around a long time. Um, yeah. so, you know, I'm kind of at the last third of my career and, um, you know, what I'm passionate about now is like having fun at work, um, developing and training, uh, the next generation of talent, which we have a lot out of this company, um, and just being, um, intellectually challenged. So, wow. You guys hiring, uh, for, for select roles here and there, okay. like most of our hires come through, uh, kind of our referral process. So I think if, um, which is uh, pretty strong. Um, yeah. We always get we get referrals pretty much every. Which means people should connect week. with you on LinkedIn and not. So people should connect. Yeah. Weird about it. Say yeah, hi. Yeah, like reach out um, and get to know us. That's how you get into our company. I love that. Who who's the ideal company to work with Refine Labs? Yeah. So. Um, I think this will be changing over time, but we've sure. historically, uh, it's been B2B companies. Um, they tended to be SaaS based, um, kind of mid stage. They probably had some success, uh, in their early stage and now they've hit a plateau and they're looking to like take the next step. So maybe call that from like 10 million to 50 or 
125 to 150. Sure. Um, we, and this is an interesting one. I'll, I'll kind of say this because maybe it's important for others out there. Um, you need to kind of be philosophically aligned with us from the start. Wow. And so part of what's interesting about our, our marketing strategy is we, and we want hand, people to raise their hand to come talk to us is you have to kind of believe our point of view and are willing to change how you've done things. And so you think, uh, 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 so that's that's a real positive in one aspect in terms of people coming inbound because we know that they've studied us, followed us, listened to our podcasts, all the things that you would love as a marketer and the ability to kind of convert those at a, at a good rate, uh, yeah. it, it exists. This is a challenge on the other side. If you've never heard of us, it's really hard to explain uh, the philosophy uh, in a short period of time, because we're really saying to companies, you need to be prepared for a transformation. And if you're not willing to go from this old world that most companies are operating in to this new world, um, which requires a different mindset, it kind of requires a different way to measure yeah. and execute, then you're not a fit for us. And so um, it's really interesting from the sales and marketing perspective, because we have this cohort of an audience that's really ripe to work with us. There's a whole universe of people out there who haven't heard of us like any other company. And those people are really hard to tap into, um, like, you know, on an outbound channel. Yeah. Which makes sense why podcasts and and just, you know, hearing the different evangelists in the company speaking, it makes sense, right? Someone who would listen to this, this entire conversation, transformations all over the place here, right? Like your myth was about doing the old thing. And so if pe- people had to have made it through this whole podcast, be like, all right, I'm in. And it sounds like those people and, you know, and, and now they're in your community and they're subscribed and they're, they're consuming more of this. Those people are best to choose to work with you because you can't go in cold and say, Hey, um, that whole system you've depended on and used as a crutch, we're going to blow, you know, blow that up. And people are like, what? You know, it's just, you just too much of a, a jump, right? Too much of a leap. Yeah. We're not here to optimize your status quo. If your status quo is the old world, we're here to bring it to the new world. And that can be messy and challenging. And we totally get it if companies aren't up for that. Yeah. But that's like, that's the thing that we believe in. And we have the data behind it to prove it. And, you know, part of our process is helping co- companies understand like what's really happening in their business and why there is a need to change. Hell yeah. Dude, so powerful. One question to sort of wrap up a lot of this part and just learning about you and this background. Have you tried everything? You've led all the things because I may have a time machine up here in New Hampshire or over here, more like depending on geography. So you come visit, right? And maybe it's inbound or one of these events. You come visit. We use this time machine, get some beer, some lobster, go back in time. Uh, But you get to visit yourself um, after graduating from college. Uh, and you get to meet yourself and have a conversation, what kind of things would you tell yourself knowing all the places you've been and the, the plants you thought of running and the schools you've been to, and what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself to slow down and enjoy the ride that, um, I mean, I, I really, I mean, I have kids now I'm old, like I enjoy every day and kind of the, the challenge each day provides. 
I don't sweat or obsess over the future like you do when you're in your 20s. And so, you know, what I probably tell myself is just enjoy it. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your colleagues. Put in the hard work you need to put in. Um, but take a break and go enjoy life because it goes fast. Hell yeah. I love that. I guess it's the follow-up to that is would, would younger you listen? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Will my kids listen? No. So younger me would not listen. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to look like that. Cool. I think there's a movie, right? There was a movie recently where that was like a Disney movie where guy is, I don't know if it's Wahlberg. Somebody goes back in time and they see themselves as a kid and they're, they're interacting with each other. It's kind of funny. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure my younger self would be like, all right, what's this is just an old guy. Like my parents <laughs> trying to tell me to, what life's going to be like. And I'm not going to listen to this person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Until you got to be your age now and be like, wait a minute. You mean that time machine guy was real? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm, I'm the parent, like we all are, who thinks they, who thinks that the, they're going to be able to um, share their wisdom with their kids and their kids are going to actually listen to them. So, right. you know, I'll try to share my listen, my wisdom and my 12 year old will look at me like, all right, yeah, thanks dad. Pat me on the back. <laughs> I'm glad that's universal because, you know, <laughs> you drop some wisdom bomb on them. Be like, well, actually, do you know, the meaning of the entire universe is this. They're like, Hey, do you mind giving me an extra hour on my Nintendo? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait, did you get, did you get that? Did, uh, all right, here's your hour, right? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah, can I have a ride or, you know, hey, you get $5, I go to Starbucks? Like, yeah, um, thanks, Dad. If I listen yeah. to your wisdom, do I get anything out of it? Um, I know, right? Yeah. So Such crazy. Is life. Such yeah. is life. Well, hey, where can people reach out? Where do you want them to reach out on social? Where do you want them to connect? Websites, resources, where do you want them to go? Yeah. So if you want to find me, just go to LinkedIn. Um, I'm not um, talented enough to manage uh, multiple social platforms. So I spend my time on LinkedIn. If you want to learn about Refine Labs, just go to refinelabs.com, um, the URL, or you type it into Google, Refine Labs. <laughs> type it into Google. I'd give Google some more credit. <laughs> um, but we have podcasts. Um, you'll find a lot of our company on LinkedIn. So uh, we're, we're easy to find um, out there. That's awesome. Well, dude, I totally appreciate you coming out here, schooling me on the old way, the new way. I will say I, I have been dabbling in the new way unintentionally, and this just really helped me square things away in my own mind for 2023, just have really thrown off those old shackles from the old ways of doing things. So I'm excited. I really appreciate you coming on here. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And, um, let me know if you need any help. I'm sure I'm confident with uh, what I've seen from you, Casey, that the new way is built for you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Now, that's high praise coming from you because you're, you're, you're refined, just exudes that. It's like, it's, it's the best example I know of, of a company that's doing that across the board. So I appreciate that. And for those listening, if you learn something, because I freaking did then, and, and you know this because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. Then, then share this with someone else. That's thought leadership. Just get good information in other people's hands. One person, nine people, 3,000 people. Let them have it. Have at it. Um, with that, dude, Cassidy, thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Love it. All right, everyone. This has been a crazy episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.